Hello and welcome to the Naval Air Podcast. My name is Mike and I'll be your host. We're continuing in our series of talks about the training pipeline for an aviation anti-submarine warfare operator, also known as AW, in the early mid-80s, which is specific to my experience, okay? Um, We have gone through five episodes, which talks about four different stops. Um, This show will talk about stop number five. Now, at this point, the training has diverged based on your platform. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, also, the the topic of this discussion is something that doesn't lend itself to a whole lot of talking. Okay, so I'll probably take this opportunity to talk about some life, some young sailors' life, air crewmen's life uh, at NAS North Island at this time frame. Before we get into all that, though, I'm going to take care of the housekeeping issues. The email address navalaircrew at gmail.com or you can just go to the website www.navalair.net and you'll find the email address there. You'll also find some links and other things to explore. I've posted a couple class photos. I might actually get to do some more here soon. Um, The most significant change is that the dynamic content, things that are going to change on a fairly regular basis, Uh, episode listings, show notes, maybe some listener interaction has been moved to a forum. And the forum is linked there on the front page. It's right there in the middle. It even says, all dynamic content has been moved to forum. Click here to go and you'll see there's a forum. So you can read, you know, no registration required to read. But if you'd like to participate or post some feedback, you would have to register. It doesn't cost nothing. I don't keep track of your addresses or sell it or anything. Um, just you have to register username and that gives you one more avenue of feedback you can also go to itunes and leave feedback there or you can send me an email Uh, appreciate any and all email that comes my way any feedback positive negative it's all good i have had a couple people have sent me some email when i get through the series of shows that i have planned i'll actually do what we like to call a mailbag show, read the emails, respond. Um, so that gives you time. If you've been contemplating sending an email, don't know if you should or not, do it. Send it. it gives, you have some time, but I'd like to have a handful, a pile of emails to choose from to read for mailbag. Well, who am I kidding? I'll probably read them all, but still, if you've been, if you've been contemplating on the fence, here's a reason. Send it, Send an email. And we'll read it and we'll talk about it. Or go to the forums, put some feedback there, post some concern there, post a question there, I'll answer it there for the whole world. All, however, big, however big the Naval Air podcast world is, it'll all be there for them to see. Okay. Now, if you remember back the first couple shows, the AW pipeline was the same up until a certain point. Once your platform was assigned to you, your training diverged. Um, The divergence is people assigned to the helicopter community went to search and rescue school. That was their next stop after A school. 
those that were signed to the fixed wing community of S3s or P3s went straight to Sears school after AWA school. Their next stop was called AW Common Core. For the rest of the helicopter community, we went to SAR school first, then we went to Sears school, and then we went to AW Common Core. So this show, we're going to talk about AW Common Core. In AW Common Core, on the West Coast, was run by the same group, command, whatever, that ran the Sears School. FASO Trade Group Pack. Fleet Aviation Specialized Operational Training Group Pacific. They ran the AW Common Core. Now, the easiest way to sum up AW Common Core is that it is a refresher of the concepts that was learned in AWA school during the um, gram analysis or, or sound analysis part of training. But Common Core took it to the next step where they wanted they wanted the, the, the AW to be faster in their analysis, quicker in their analysis, more detailed and less mistakes in their analysis. Okay, so AW Common Core was a four-week class. Now let me grab the papers here, the calendar. Common Core, I want to say, started on the 6th of September of 1983. Yeah, see, over 24 years ago. It's a big surprise why it's a little fuzzy. Uh, Monday the 5th was Labor Day, so there was no training or no classes manned up. Um, so I want to say we had four weeks well, we were short a day. Now, AW Common Core was classroom. No physical training. No physical aspect. No, hardly any practical aspect whatsoever. It was a group of students sitting on their bottoms in chairs, looking at an instructor, going over the, some of the stuff we'd already learned. Now, you would think that would make for boredom because... You know, if you already know something and you're just sitting there having someone repeat it back to you again, it can lend itself to boredom. Well, there were some aspects of Common Core that were boring. Now, you're probably sitting there listening, wondering if I'm going to get into the meat of what we were taught. And unfortunately, a lot of what we were taught is secret information. (laughs) It's classified secret. So I got to try to dance around this. Um and do my best to not spill any secrets. I, I don't know if it's still secret. You know, the funny thing is in this in today's Navy, anti-submarine warfare is probably not so high on the priority list as it was when I was in. Carrier battle groups don't do a whole lot of their fighting in the deep blue ocean anymore. They do it they do it close to shore. All right, so AW Comic. All right. So we classed up on the 6th of September. Probably, if you think about it for a second, I, we all know each other. A lot of these guys, we've known each other since A school, maybe some of us since air crew school. There's one guy that's been with me. It's been in every single one of my classes. His nickname was Boomer. Boomer was in my air crew class. Boomer was in my AWA school class. Boomer was in my SAR school class. Boomer was in my SEER class. Boomer was with me in AW Common Core. Uh, and Boomer went on to... The next stop with 
with me as well. So I've known him. A couple other dudes that were a week or two ahead of me in A school or a week or two behind me in A school. You know, Sears school caught all those people up. So basically it was my SAR school class with a couple others extras added in uh, that had just come from, uh, that were in my SEER class as well that had come from A school drink, some P3, S3 types, you know, fixed wingers, okay. So we're sitting here in Common Core at NAS North Island in a classroom. I can't remember what building it was in. It was second floor. It's tucked away in a corner. I want to say like 24 students. I mean, not not very many. And we spent the first week relearning oceanography and oceanography's, mm, oceanography's importance or its influence in sound analysis in the water and how it affects sound analysis in the water. Because the way sound moves in the water is depending on the water conditions. You know, there's things like direct path. There's there's things where the sound bounces off the, the floor of the ocean, makes things called convergent zones that are like make like donut rings in the water of sound if you look at it from the top. So you could be listening at some point and the submarine you're looking for is actually 30 miles away where you think you're right on top of it because of the way the sound converges and you know does it bounces off the floor of the ocean. So we learned five days worth of oceanography in four days. Um, and in quick rehash is what it is. You know, that's why I was able to get done. The, the main thing that I seem to remember them focusing on was the teaspoon analysis, temperature, salinity, temperature, salinity, and pressure, and how those three items affect the way sound moves in the water. Um, so we were, we would practice on, on, um, sound not sound thermographs thank you goodness gracious thermographs if if anti-submarine warfare operations were expected to be uh, to occur the the ship because a lot of anti-submarine warfare operations were led by a surface ship and the surface ship that was in charge would drop would develop what they call a bt trays or bathy thermograph chase which would measure the temperature in the water and most water had a layer called the thermocline where the first so many feet were a significantly different temperature than the rest of it. And it was good to know where that thermocline was. So we would learn, relearned that we were taught better, not better, more in depth discussion on how that affected your anti-submarine warfare operations and things you would do to, Use that to your advantage. All right, so that's the first week. The next three weeks are all sound analysis. And it's all, and it was all done, you know, on paper, not live. Because sound analysis in, well, at that time in P3s and S3s was live. The S3 had a, had a computer to help you with your sound analysis. The P3 guys did sound analysis like we learned in A school with, these mechanical dividers that you would look at the sound and determine frequencies and things like that. Um, so we just did that over and over again. But we had a form. That was the main thing that they introduced that I remember. Let me digress here a bit. I don't remember a whole lot about Common Core. This is what I remember. I remember it was boring. I remember that I started drinking coffee because of it. 
up until that point, I resisted coffee, but I was so stinking sleepy. And I, I don't remember partying a whole lot at night or anything. I just thought it was boring. It was put me asleep. So I drank coffee a lot with sugar. Keep me amped up. And then it was four weeks long. That's about all I remember. I remember, I hardly remember any, anything other than that. <laughs> I know what we learned. I remember thinking in the aircraft I'm going to be assigned to, I'm not going to do any of this work. Because H2s had no sound analysis equipment on board. H3s did their own. And it, so it was the P3 and S3 guys that were really benefiting from this. <laughs> but all AWs had to go through Comicore. Because even helicopter guys got tested on some of this stuff. So yeah, for advancement. To make rank in the Navy, you had to take tests. So yeah, it was boring. But it was three... Okay, so three weeks of sound analysis... With the the added pressure of doing it faster, making sure you're better, and they had this form that would help you. You'd be given your exercise and this little sound analysis form. I have a copy of it somewhere. Um, don't know where it is. Somewhere amongst my memorabilia for the military. It's probably a bookmark or something, but it was a little like slip of paper. they give you your exercise that... You know, here's your sound trace you gotta an- analyze, and here's the paper. It's like, it was kind of like a checklist. It had the th- it had things to look for, um, help you identify: is the sound caused by this in the water, or is the sound caused by this in the water? And when I say caused by this, you know, if you think of a submarine moving through the water, what well, could be making noise? Hmm. Propeller blades, okay, things like that. So. What's making the noise in the water? And you would look at the, the 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 sound output on your piece of paper and you were taught and you knew what was making the sound. And then, so you'd check off, it's this is making the sound. Okay, so you now that you know what this is making the sound, you're able to look at ident- more identifying characteristics of what's making that sound. Um, oh, goodness gracious. I'm trying to... <laughs> I don't know how in-depth I can get. Uh, let's stick with propellers, okay? So you know propellers making sound in the water. So you've checked that off. You know, how many blades maybe you can determine? And and there's other things, okay? That's as far as I'm going to go. So there's other things along those lines that it's a the propeller pushing the submarine and how many blades and other things that you would find on this sound analysis that you would fill out this little checklist. And once you fill out that checklist, it gave you a profile of the type of submarine that was making the sound in the water. Now, yeah, yeah, that just spawned a memory. That was another thing we worked on at AW Combo Corps, which was really learning all the different Soviet submarines that were operating in the world at the time. There's two, two. Two, three, two or three, maybe four kinds of diesel Soviet submarines. I just want to say two. Two. Ah. But there were seven types of nuclear submarines. Seven different identifiable platforms of Soviet nuclear submarine. I guess only two, three. I don't see, that's a diesel. I didn't remember. But we would have to be memorizing that. And they all had names. Charlie, Victor, Yankee, Delta... The one everyone knows, uh, 
Red October, right? Um, goodness gracious. <laughs> Typhoon class, thank you. Um, Sierra, uh, Echo, Echo 2, um, you know, all these kind of different kinds of Soviet submarines. And they all had different missions. Some were fast attack, some were ballistic missile, okay? The Typhoon class is uh, SSBN. Um, I want to say your your Yankee or your Victor. Victor two was this fast attack SSN. Um, so we would learn this, and it, I want to say there was some photo recognition involved. We'd see pictures of what these different aircraft or aircraft, different submarines looked like, and we all thought it was funny because how many times are we really going to see these things on the surface of the ocean? But you know, you had to know what they looked like. So that was the next three weeks was getting your sound analysis exercise, filling out your little slip of paper, determining your profile and identifying correctly this is this kind of submarine. And they'd throw in American submarines as well to see if you could be smart and tell the difference. And let me just say that was not hard to identify American boats. Once if you could ever find anything in the, in the sound analysis to identify them, because usually you couldn't. Um, so anyway, so that's that's what we did for three weeks. We just worked that hard, worked it. You know, I want to say class was from 7.30 in the morning with an hour lunch break. We were done at 4.30 in the afternoon and pound, pound, pound. Three or four exercises, uh, not more than a day, I mean... Two or three in the morning. I mean, some class instruction, do an exercise. Class instruction, do an exercise. Lunch, class instruction, do an exercise. And like the last week, I want to say we did a midterm too. So halfway through, we had a midterm test. Maybe a quiz. Was there a test every week? Do we test every Friday? A quiz kind of a thing? I was like, I want to say it's like a semester of college crammed into four weeks. You know, periodic tests and quizzes and then a midterm and a final um but i'll tell you what aw common core is a classic example of the way navy the united states navy at least back then spoon fed your instruction you were so steeped and immersed in it that if you failed it you're you're really dumb and if you made it this far in the aw training pipeline and failed it uh, you shouldn't have made it that far to begin with because you should have made it out of A school because the concepts were already known to you. This was just to get you more, faci- have you give you a greater facility with doing that work. You were already taught that work on a rudimentary level. This just made you do that same work faster and more accurate. Okay, so if you made it to there and you couldn't just do it faster and more accurate, you shouldn't have been. I don't know, we all thought no one failed. Uh, but it was just, I don't know. I, I think it was, if you, if you made it that far and failed, you were just stupid. Okay. Let's put it that way. No one should have made it that far and not make it through common core. Cause I mean, come on, you're taught it. Then you do it in an exercise. You're taught it and you do it in an exercise. And they kind of put these things together and just build, build, build faster, faster, faster. Uh, and you're just more accurate and, and getting better at it. I, I don't know. All right, so really, that's that is AW Common Core. Like I said, there was not. I can't. Some of it's secret information. I can't tell you too much. It's four week of book learning. 
um, I mean, not it's not like at all like AWA school, which which was a very methodical progression in to work you up to the idea of what you're doing. This already assumes you know the concept. It already assumed that you had some facility with it. This is to make you faster and better. So, um, that's that. Well, I, what are we, barely 20 minutes into this. So I'm going to take the opportunity to expand on what the lifestyle was like for a junior sailor, enlisted sailor, living or assigned to Naval Air Station North Island. Now I'm going to backtrack a bit. Uh, if you listen to the SAR School episode, you know I arrived at NAS North Island in June uh, of 1983. Checked into the SAR School and we were given our barracks. Now, the barracks for SAR School, they're a little on the old side. We had a shared parking lot with the Personal Support Detachment, PSD it's called. It's where your records are kept, where the pay, where you get all the admin personnel things are handled at that building. So we had shared that parking lot. Um, you know, we had to, the chow hall was not quite within walking distance, which is odd, but some dudes had cars. One guy had a, um, El Camino Ranchero. So we all would just pile on the back of that and he would drive us down to the chow hall. Now, you know, today you can't ride in the back of a pickup truck like that, but then we could. So he was a lifesaver for a goodly portion of the search and rescue school class. Once our school was over and we checked into FASO for SEER and Common Core, FASO had their own barracks, so we had to move. And their barracks was this three-floor affair. There was actually four buildings. They're all part of like a pod. Um, three floors. I don't know. Each floor had eight or nine rooms. I don't remember. A shared Shared bathroom facilities with showers and toilets, sinks, whatever. A lounge in the center of all that. And I remember the lounge had a TV in it. And a football season, the TV was always had a football game on. So I usually spent time there watching football games in the in the fall, which was, oh, September. Hey, watching football. After Common Corps, when I checked into my the training squadron, again had to move, go into another barracks. But all on North Island. Now, the barracks for FASO, the barracks for HSL-31, the training squadron, were right next to each other. So just, you know, yet again, pack the sea bag, drag all my crap. Now, while I was in search and rescue school, actually waiting for my class to form, because, you know, I got there in the middle of June, I just had just missed the class forming up, so I had to wait. When did we say class formed in July? Checking, double checking the papers here. Yeah, class formed in July. Well, shortly after my birthday in June, because I just turned 19 in that June, I went and bought myself a car. Um, so I, for, by the time I classed up for SAR school, I had a car and I could drive to class. I could drive, well, I didn't need to drive to Sears school because we walked, the, the Sears school building was right by the barracks, so I walked to that didn't need to drive drove to common core usually gave some dudes a ride because out of everyone in the class you know maybe a fourth of them had vehicles the rest didn't or, i don't know maybe up to a half at that point i don't remember but i was always given you know the same two or three dudes a ride to school um so really you know 
and training, with the exception of Sears School, we had weekends off. And in summer, San Diego, most of our time, weekend time was spent at the beach. We'd go to La Jolla. I mean, search and rescue school gave us fins and masks and snorkels. We'd go snorkeling in La Jolla at the cove. We'd just go to the beach to hang out. I mean, we're on Coronado Island, for crying out loud. NAS North Island is the north half of Coronado Island. Great beach, Coronado Island. Uh, Other sights and sounds in San Diego we'd go check out. We never went to Tijuana, at least I didn't. Too many scary stories were foisted upon us about staying out of Tijuana staying out of tj so some guys would go down there i didn't um but having a car made a lot of difference you know it meant being able to go to the beach on the weekend it meant being able to go wherever i mean if you remember my cert my the beginning of the sar school episode i was able to tag along some guy had a van we went to disneyland you know guy had you know half car will travel half car life in san diego much easier or much more fun. Okay. One of the things we did like to do, those go to the enlisted clubs. Now, in California at that time, the drinking age is 21. I'm 19. If I want to partake in adult beverage, my only choices were to go to an enlisted club on a base. And the only thing available to me as, an, as someone that was under 21 but over 18 was beer or more precisely near beer or 3.2 beer you know beer has six percent alcohol near beer has 3.2 percent that's why it's 3.2 beer anyway so that was open to me unfortunately when i was 19 i wasn't a great connoisseur aficionado of fermented grain beverage so i didn't enjoy beer all that much so i didn't wasn't tying one on a lot either but it was fun to go to some of these places and watch people act like idiots um each each base now in in san diego there were seven i want to say there were seven military bases there was 32nd street naval station there's a submarine base there was the recruit training center slash naval training center rtc ntc san diego there was nas north island naval amphibious base coronado oh five what am i missing did i count rtc ntc as two or one Okay. Surface base, sub base, RTC, NTC, Naval Air Station, and yeah. I guess we can, maybe I counted out Lying Field, Imperial Beach. I don't know, but there's five main bases. Okay, so never went to the enlisted club at the submarine base. I don't know if they had one. I went to the enlisted club at 32nd Street Naval Station. (laughs) Here's a funny story. One of my friends, buddies a couple of them had gotten in trouble with booze being drunk somewhere uh, gotten some minor trouble in the navy either in pensacola most likely probably memphis and they had to go through um alcohol awareness training (laughs) it was like a week or two weeks of like you know aa kind of meetings and they were held at the 32nd Street Naval Station. And I would give them their ride there, right? They'd hit me up, hey, take me right to my... It wasn't AA, I forget. Oh. I forget the Navy had a term for it. But so I would take them that. Well, it was two or three hours, right? So I dropped them off. And while they were at their two or three hour, essentially AA meeting, I was at the club. 
kind of funny, no? You know, they're trying to learn not to drink too much, and here I'm wasting <laughs> wasting my time or killing time drinking beer at the club. Um, actually, I didn't do drink because I'd rather I was again not that much of a fan of beer, so I was I don't know just kind of hanging out there meeting folks or whatever. The enlisted club at RTC NTC was, uh, to put it mildly, a dump. Um, but RTC NTC, well, mostly because recruits don't get a whole lot of time to go visit clubs or do anything fun. But the the people that are on the NTC, the Naval Training Center side, those were going to A school. There's some various A schools or uh, basic rating schools. Uh, you know, there's some training going on beyond recruit training or basic training. Those people, you know, are all youngsters. Okay, they're going to this club, uh, and they're being crazy and silly. Um, now, the enlisted club at NTC San Diego, not live music. DJ, they had a dance floor, sold beer, but again, place looked kind of like a dump. The enlisted club at NAS North Island was very similar to the enlisted club at NTC San Diego, kind of a dump. Um, DJ actually was not very crowded at all. The the NTC club usually was hopping with people. Sometimes there's even a line to wait outside, but it was it was very well attended. The one at North Island not well attended. Actually, kind of on the quiet side. But the best club for nightlife for the junior sailor in the San Diego area was the enlisted club at the Naval Amphibious Base Coronado. The name of that club was called the Gator Gardens. Now, the Naval Amphibious Base in Coronado is charged with training your your Navy SEALs. The Basic Underwater Demolition School is there at the Naval Amphibious Base in Coronado. SEAL training is there. Um, Any other Amphib, Gator, but that was the main thing that went on there. They had the best club they had live music. Depending on the band, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, at, you know, three nights, two nights, maybe four nights. There's a couple bands that were they were more popular than others. There's a group called Taxi, I remember. They were great. Another group called Crystal. They were good. Um, and there are some others. But when Taxi and Crystal came to town, we were always made up. Well, heck, well, who am I kidding? We were there at least every Saturday night, maybe Friday night. A whole group of us, uh, various people. Now, having gone through training in a in a cohort, or you know, everyone, the community's small and tight, and we know each other. Okay, we may not be flying in the same aircraft, we may not be doing the same job, but hey, I remember you from basic training, or hey, I remember you from uh, A school. I remember you from this, or hey, I remember you. So you typically ran into people a lot. And San Diego, a significant portion of personnel in the Navy find themselves stationed in San Diego. So the chance of running into somebody you know is pretty good. So, yeah, there's our same crew of guys. We'd go down there. And, again, if you're over 21, you got a hand stamp that said you can drink booze. If you're under 21 but over 18, you got a different hand stamp that said, sell this guy only pitches of beer, 3-2 beer. Now, the Gator Gardens was right on the edge of the water. You could look out these plate glass windows and see water. They had the main room, 
with the stage where the live band played. They had an atrium that was tended to be quiet. There's also another quiet room. So if you wanted to chat with somebody, you know, maybe somebody that you're trying to get to know better, someone of the opposite sex, female persuasion you might be interested in, you'd go to this quiet area and, I guess, spit your game a little better. I don't know. Didn't do a whole lot of that there. Um, so, yeah, the Gator Gardens was the best. We we liked it there. They had the, they had the live music, all the other clubs. Now we check out some of the other clubs when, at the Gator Gardens, the band was less than satisfactory. I mean, we maybe we'd go there on a Friday night, and they weren't. We hadn't heard of them. They were no good. Or I don't know something like that. So then we'd probably hit some of the other places. Um, let's see what else. What else? That was about it. I mean, I don't. I didn't go to SeaWorld a whole lot. That was a local attraction, in San Diego. I think I went twice. The only time I went to the zoo was when someone came to visit me. My dad, mom, whatever. Um, so really, I, I'm trying to think spare time sitting on my butt. You know, television, not really. Didn't have a, you know, I didn't own my own TV. And getting cables non-existent. Um, I didn't move off base until later. So here I'm in barracks. So I'm basically at the whims of whoever has control of the remote. And most of the time it was, you know. I don't remember if they even have cable TV. Maybe they were just getting over the air, off the air antenna stuff. Didn't have any games, you know, internet not in existence. So I was reading, did some reading, would buy books. Um, go out to eat was a big thing. You get tired of the chow hall. Now, the chow hall at North Island, I have talked about the other dining facilities. I said Pensacola is best, Memphis was worse. But the chow hall at North Island was, was decent. Always had a nice variety of dessert, which is important. Always had a nice variety of, uh, not a big variety, but usually two entrees, you know, a couple of different. Rice was always there for starch. Uh, otherwise, the other starch is a potato or some other, something else interesting. But the on Saturdays and Sundays, they served brunch. So that meant that you either got eggs in some fashion you know whipped into an omelet or cooked to your order because the dining hall the chow hall for brunch on saturday and sunday mornings was actually i mean it opened at like seven and served food till noon i mean it was i don't remember it closing in between there there was no closed hours unlike during the week it was breakfast was from this time to this time closed lunches from this time to this time then closed dinner from this time to this time then closed okay then mid rats you know, food late at night. But Saturday, Sunday, you know, they had this long stretch of time where people could kind of get up and casually roll in there. Well, if you didn't like what eggs or whatever they're serving for breakfast, you know, I, I I don't like eggs. So I know you're probably thinking I'm strange at that point, but it's been, an, I've been dealing with it all my life. I'm just one of those people that don't care for eggs. So I wasn't eating. My only option to eat was hamburgers. That was, was your choice. Eggs cooked to order or hamburgers. So when, if I don't want to eat a hamburger, hop in the car, go out in town and find some different, something different for breakfast or lunch. Um, let's see. What else? In Coronado, um, they had, there was a movie theater, a little tiny movie theater. I think it had two screens. And they had movies for a dollar on Monday nights. Uh, out in town in San Diego, Tuesdays were dollars. 
movies for a buck. I mean, you know, in general admission, this point was four dollars, maybe. So you're saving three bucks, but you had to get there early because everyone in the world knew about Dollar Tuesdays out in town. So you we'd end up standing in line. There was like three places we'd go try to see movies. Some one was a movie theater down by the sports arena, and then there was two movie theaters. One called Sweetwater, which is out by the Plaza Bonita Mall, and then Plaza Bonita had its own movie theater. So those are the three places we'd frequent on Tuesday nights for Dollar Movie Night. Uh, let's see what else in Coronado. Then there was the Mexican Village Restaurant. Of course, I didn't get to do that too much until later. Because, again, the most of the fun was was to be had if you're there to hang out in the bar. Not 21. Can't hang out in the bar out in town. So. But they had good food. We'd go there for Mexican food. And uh, side note, the Mexican Village no longer exists. My last business trip to San Diego in December of 2005. I went to go find Mexican Village and it was all boarded up and closed. Sad piece of naval history because um, famous, you know, Blue Angels, whenever they came to do the air show in San Diego, they would go to Mexican Village. They're very proud of that. All right, let's see. What else? Is there anything else worth noting of time and things we did? Um, you know, as winter and summer, uh, you know, summer went away and winter came, we didn't go to the beach so much. Um, Jeez, I, you know, that was a, being under 21, okay, and as a member, you know, a sailor, you know, a junior enlisted in the United States Navy, yeah, in the early 80s, drinking was, I guess, the thing to do. I mean, there's other things to do with your life, but going to a club and hanging out and maybe knocking a couple back with your friends and loosening up was, was the thing to do. So, oh, I could work on my car. You know, I probably every payday I'd spend the money to take my car back, down to the back to the amphibious base because they had a full-on do-it-yourself car wash where you'd pull up, you can vacuum the car and drive into the little thing with the wand, you know, hose the car down and scrub it with the brush of the soap, and then pull it forward and dry it and wax it under a shade provided for that purpose. So I would do that once in a while, keep the car looking nice. Um, but really that's, that's, those are the highlights later on after turning 21, then the whole club scene thing changed and maybe I'll attack that later on. But right now I wanted to talk about common core and some of the, you know, activities or after, after school things we would do, which really, (laughs) which really wasn't all, all that wide and varied, but you know, we're young and, and. I don't want to say dumb, but you know, just young and I don't know, not a not the greatest widest world view, okay? So you gotta you gotta you gotta go with what you can work with. Okay, so I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna wrap it up there. I'm gonna make one more plea for email or feedback. Visit the forums at navalair.net, www.navalair.net. Go now. If you're listening to this to your computer, you can actually do it while you're listening. Go now. Go to iTunes and leave a feedback. Uh, send an email. Let me know. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, so that's going to do it. I'm going to sign off. Stay safe and God bless. God bless.